Okay, to say I've never had this topic of conversation on this podcast that's about to enter into season four and over 200 recordings of the show says a lot. Not only about the human who's coming to the table with something new, but also about the expansion opportunity on a consistent basis for us to show up and learn. David Waldy is a personal growth junkie and he loves to read and he also loves coffee and I love that he calls himself a coffee snob and he loves to be outdoors. So if you know anything about me and you know what he just said, there's a lot of parallel, which I absolutely love meeting humans that have similarities. But this word that he used, this phraseology, this way that he shows up in the world uniquely as a life and business strategist, a speaker, a co-founder of Generation Impact Consulting, and how he shows up for entrepreneurs across the globe truly intrigued me. And it was with this key phraseology. I hope you never forget it. Showing up with fierce empathy. I had a crazy transformation happen in my life after my quarter-life crescendo. New word. You like it? (laughs) Anyway, after that quarter-life crisis, I understood empathy on a level that I could never possibly understand. But David takes a new perspective on empathy and how it started with frustration and then fiercely loving it at the very same time after identity and after learning to use his gifts and talents to its advantage. So... Whatever part of this just touched your spirit and enticed you to listen, you've got to listen to every single minute because it's such a rich conversation. He's a rich human being. And follow him on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook at David Waldy, like Waldo, but with a Y. And be sure to just tag him, show up for him, just like you guys do for me all the time. I value you, I treasure you, and I can't wait to see how you apply fierce empathy to your life, business, relationships, and all other things. Welcome to the Fit and Faith Podcast. Fit is an acronym representing founders, innovators, and trailblazers who are looking to live a life wholly, fully, authentically, and truly fit. A space for us to connect on the raw, real stories of mind, body, and soul alignment of entrepreneurs and kingdom leaders. I'm your host, Tamara Andress, and this podcast isn't like the cookie cutter interview experience. I've been coined the entrepreneurial rabbi, and so we do go there, unscripted. No matter how far, wide, deep, or high the there is, my desire is to see people rise from the inside out into their greatest calling by sharing their truest stories, talents, and tips. As a purpose activator and brand builder, I believe our successes and failures are derived from who and whose we are, not what we do. But strategy and vision are equally as important to the mission. So let's cut to the chase together and get fit in faith. Yo, 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 we are live and in action with the one and only David Waldy, and I'm so excited to have you on today, brother. Thanks for being here. Hey, Tamara, I am so excited. We are going to have a blast today. Thank you. I'm honored. I'm so excited. (laughs) So we got connected originally via Clubhouse, which feels like a lot of people are, right? And then Instagram, like just chatting and DMing and getting to know you and seeing how you show up for the world. It's inspiring. Um, And we actually have a lot in common. So I'm excited to dive in. I also have two kiddos and my husband's nickname growing up was Bear, which is one of your (laughs) kids' names. So I thought that was really cool. Um, But I love what you do. And I love how you show up specifically in the way that you 
you are gifted, uh, the knowing that you show up with fierce empathy. And that's actually what you're also training your clients to step into. And I think that's a hard thing to understand, both in entrepreneurship, but also just in the realm of, of being right. Yeah. Uh, but I, I'm curious where that stemmed from and how you got involved in that specific genre of, of work and passion. Yeah, it's a great question. Again, thank you. I um, I don't know if I, I told you this before I dive into fear sympathy. Did I tell you we've got a third one on the way? Oh, no. Congratulations. Yeah, we've got a third. And, but I, I don't know what to, after Bear, it's going to be another boy. I don't know what to name another. Like, yeah, Emmy Bear. It can't and... be like John or something. I know <laughs> so, it can't, no. <laughs> but, uh, You'll I have to it. get creative. That's awesome. We're going to get creative. But fear sympathy, yeah, it's that's a great question. And I guess going back, you know, a lot of us growing up, I don't know if it, you were like this, Tamara, empathy was always soft, right? It's always very soft. Um, sometimes, like, especially for men, it, it seems to be more of an effeminate feature. It's like soft and cushy and loving and gentle. And um, I was always, I hated it about myself. I was my number one strength on every strengths test I ever did. And I was like, what the heck? Like, come on, I'm supposed to be Mr. Macho Man. That's like, interesting. This is what, yeah, you know? that's so interesting. And so I started to, you know, uh, when I was, uh, since I was a kid, I've been obsessed with reading and personal development. I've been uh, obsessing over personal development since I was a teenager, just understanding, trying to understand more and more about who we are and how we work and what it looks like for success and achievement. And that tied into very much my heart for, for ministry, for Jesus, and for, for the things that I've done, not only within the church, but also in my business. And so uh, through the process of learning more and more about myself, learning more and more about how God created me, I started to take that kind of that resentment and turn it into more of, okay, what does this actually mean? I'm fighting against the natural part of who I am, of being an empathetic human and trying to resist that. Why am I so resistant to it? And what I found was that I had a gross misunderstanding of what empathy can be and what it can look like and how effective it is in not only serving and loving and helping other people, but in also bringing ourselves to give ourselves permission to express what we want and what we need, uh, which a lot of times empaths, if you know, <laughs> are very bad about expressing what they want and what they need. <laughs> and for so, sure, for sure. Um, but yeah, so it, it kind of, uh, it came out of a lot of pain, a lot of challenge, a lot of difficulty, a lot of just discovering myself, uh, a lot of hands and knees before God, just asking for clarity and vision and direction. And I think the biggest thing for me, Tamara was I had a mentor of mine that uh, have you done any of those strengths tests and personality tests? Yeah, and stuff oh like yeah, that, I love right? them. I think they're amazing. <laughs> so they're super fun. But I had one that stumped me because across the board, I was in a class with probably like fifty people. Everyone had there was four ratings. There was it was like choleric, sanguine, melancholy, and phlegmatic, right? Um, I don't ever know if I say that last. I'm sanguine. <laughs> You're sanguine. I could yeah, you could peg that. I got dead flat even across every score. And they pulled like pulled me aside and was like, Hey, I don't know if I've ever seen this before. And I was like, yeah, thanks. This, this kind of sucks. Cause it means I don't have any strengths. What the heck? Like, yeah, right. I'm not, like what, what is the one? Right. And like, actually this is really fascinating because if you take that with Myers-Briggs and you take that with Clifton strengths finders and all these, like the Enneagram and things like that, what I started to discover is like my top five strengths are empathy, adaptability, connectedness, inclusivity, and input. And I started to realize that part of my strengths were being able to step into whatever situation was needed. If you, if I, if there's nobody saying when at the party, I'm going to be the guy, like we're going to have yes. fun. Right. Yeah. I but immediately I, when you told me this, I'm like, I need you on my team. 
<laughs> I need you. I need you. <laughs> I need you to be adaptable, right? That's that's the hardest thing I think for some people, and for me, it um, it just came natural. It's like reading the room, reading people, like really, really being in touch, and even on a spiritual sense, like learning more about discerning the spirits and what that looks like on the spiritual giftedness side of how to to really understand uh, beyond the facade beyond what we just see and present. And so I got really frustrated when I took that test where I was dead even. And uh, my mentor at the time, she said, she said, David, this is actually an incredible asset. This is very unique. And so it took me from feeling like depressed and down about <laughs> like, I don't have any, like, yeah, like oh, to, to I'm, recognizing, I'm Wait a minute. this is, this is a gift. And yeah. I have been, I have not been treating it like a gift for most of yeah. my life. I've been treating it as this, why did you make me this way, God? Mm. Why am I, why am I oriented this way? And so as I started to embrace that, uh, over time, it kind of developed into this whole thing that turned into my entrepreneurial endeavors and sales and marketing and working with people. And, uh, and then most recently, and speaking of which pause, congratulations on your new book launch. Uh, my goodness. Thank For those you. Who don't know, I actually, um, so real fascinating aside, my tagline for years has been never stopped becoming. No way! I'm dead serious. So when I saw always becoming, oh. I was like, I'm buying this book. So I bought it on Amazon. It's on We're the people. Here. You get the message already. That's amazing. So, I love that. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, but it's it's something that I just. I always struggled with again, but through the process, I started to understand more and more about empathy and developing this concept or philosophy I call fierce empathy. And fierce is typically kind of this almost opposite and like it's, you know, ferocious or almost violent yeah, or dangerous. Yeah, it's like, like lion, you know, or your lion type lion, thing. Yeah. Right? And so that's actually um, the book that I'm writing right now, um, which I'm super excited about, which I was that's so happy awesome. to see yours. I was like, I was like, Tamara's crushing it. I'm yes, gonna you're going right to do the same. After. God's got you. He does. So, but I'll yeah, that my was... inside tricks too. Oh, please, please do. <laughs> please do. But that, that was the origin of kind of stepping into that as a superpower and finding kind of my unique angle of how I see the world and being able to empower and serve other people. And I found it be uh, become something that's not just immensely useful in business and marketing and sales. And uh, it's also really, really important for spirituality, for our families, for even our health and how we see ourselves. And so it's like this philosophy I just adhere to. <laughs> I like as you're saying it, because I didn't really know the context of it, right? I liked the words. I liked the language. I was th actually thinking of like um, fiercely empathetic leaders and like what that looks like, because um, mm -hmm. I feel like there's an entire study just around that. Um, but I have a question first, and then I want to tell you like where that stemmed from. What is your Enneagram? So my Enneagram is I am a three wing either two or four, depending on the day that I okay, take Okay, <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Because yep. I was curious, because as you're talking about it and you're describing yourself, I, I think a lot of, of my husband, who's actually a seven, mm -hmm. and um, how incredible it is to watch him work a room, which I, yeah. I imagine is probably similar to you in that regard, um, being able to connect with lots of different genres of people and kind of fall in line with what they need. Um, but the other component as you're talking that I was feeling connected towards was the understanding that you had all of these emotions towards your identity or towards yourself, right? And like, why God did you make me this way? Mm -hmm. And I feel like if we were 
to open up a forum about people's identity based on these different personality tests or, or just the way that they are, whether they had taken the test or not, they were yeah. described themselves in three ways, whether or not they saw them as weaknesses or strengths or assets mm -hmm. or failure points. Yeah. Um, I think I know me personally and many others who have held those character traits as weights yeah. rather than assets. Mm -hmm. And it took like times in our life where we realized that, that they actually were benefits and they were actually serving other people and looking mm -hmm. outside of self. Because if we carry them, it feels like a burden. But when you shift to, which is one area that you seem to be very passionate about, is like living more so that we can give more. If we focus on the giving of those gifts and talents, they don't feel as heavy because then I just get to give them away all the time versus exactly. carry them as a backpack. Yeah. Yeah. That was part of when I first took, so I've taken Clifton Strengths Finders um, three times and every single time I've taken the top five have been the same. They've changed order, but that's over the last 15 years. And what's really, really fascinating to me about those is that they're strengths, right? They're strengths. They're naturally like innate strengths. And I had another mentor of mine tell me one time, they said, David, why don't you take your sevens and your eights? and make them nines and tens instead of focusing on all your twos and threes and making them fours and fives. And that wow. changed everything for wow. me because it helped me understand not only, and you know, this in entrepreneurship is about it's, it's amplifying your strengths and learning how to create a team and an environment and a community to mitigate the weaknesses. You don't have to be good at everything. It's lean into what your natural giftedness is and then understand those things that you might call deficiencies or, or things that aren't, you don't have, it's okay. You're human. You're allowed to be human. <laughs> yeah. And it, it, if we could teach that to our children, right? You being a dad and about to have another one, like knowing that if we can teach that to them sooner, I don't yeah. feel like I don't think that our parents or the generation ahead of us like intended for this to be the case, but I feel like we were expected to be all the things. And you mm -hmm. hear that all the time, even now, like, oh, I can't, how do you do all of that? I'm like, well, I don't do all of it. Yeah. And people don't perceive it that way. They assume because you're quote unquote busy, which I can't stand that terminology anyway, but they assume <laughs> you're doing all of it by yourself. And I'm like, I yeah. did not hit a bestseller by myself. I had a team who helped that happen. I held a team who helped me put on a conference and yeah. yet one person, because that one person might be in the limelight is getting all of the attention. All my accolades go to my team. I'm like, y'all did this. <laughs> I just showed up to say yes like they did, but in their strengths. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a beautiful part, I think, of of the conversations that I have with people and like you, myself, others that are actually walking in every single day in dedication to living out our calling, living out our purpose, living out our passion. What I've found is that when we go all in on those strengths and who we've been created to be, especially for those that are on the, the empathetic side. A lot of times people are hesitant to pursue their dreams because they think that this is a zero-sum game. It's, it's if I win, someone else loses. And it doesn't have to be that way. Is that when we recognize every one of us defines success differently, right? I don't know. Like, so Tamara, what's what's one of your big dreams? You want to you want like a, a a chalet house in Switzerland or a beach house in Fiji? Like what is what, make you it material? It can be materialistic. You know my okay. heart. A beach house in Fiji sounds phenomenal, but okay. uh, I would my my huge heart is to be able to have a place of peace and play for mm -hmm. others to be able to establish their passion. 
Love so it. what does that mean? It's it's a beach house, yes, on Perfect. the ocean where there's lots of adventure, bare feet preferably, uh, yeah. to be able to release, find alignment, and then step into their purpose thereafter. So kind of not a healing, well, yeah, a healing zone um, yeah. for people to, to manifest and incubate their dreams. I love that. That is absolutely beautiful. And here's what's crazy is that of all your listeners, there's maybe two that want the same. Yeah. Right. And I think that's what we often like. I don't want that. Yeah. I love that you want that and I will yeah, support yeah. it and I'll do everything I can to help make that a reality. But that's what's beautiful is that every one of us define our, our version of success differently. So yeah. you winning and creating that. What's beautiful about a team and, and everyone, you know, everyone says, well, it's lonely at the top. Like, no, it's not. If you take people with you, Go it doesn't on. have to Come be, on. right? Yeah, it doesn't that. have to be. And if you focus on what God has placed inside of your heart and you take people with you, you can win and they can win at the same time. You leaning in inspires and motivates and encourages. And it's this beautiful synergy that happens because you're going after the things that are inside of your heart. And I love that. I love that you give your credit to the team because I'm the same way is that we couldn't do anything without. <laughs> no. And, you know, I have this conversation with them a lot and I have this conversation because and, and I'm sure you do, too. We speak into people who are entrepreneurial, right? Mm -hmm. We speak into the visionary a lot and yeah. the visionary needs the people, if you're going to talk to a specific test, I'm, I'm thinking of like the Lords, the stars, the wealth dynamics test. Have you taken that one? I have not taken it. I've heard of it. Oh, but it's I haven't good. Taken it. It's good. So there's like Lord and mechanic and they're like operators and they supporters and creators who actually support the star. Mm. So star is like someone who's good on camera, someone who's good on stage, probably like the two of us from also paralleling to our Enneagram three. But if you go and you're like, hey, how's your accounting look today? Did you check your books? I'm like, no, nope, sure didn't. <laughs> sure didn't, right? And and I should. I know that I should, but I just don't want to. Yep. I'm just here for the party and the money will come later. <laughs> and so it's important for us, like as we speak to visionaries and entrepreneurs, for them to recognize this conversation is so vital for their success, but more so importantly for the success of everyone they're connected to. Yeah. Because one, we know you can't do it alone. If you're doing it alone, I'd like to meet you because you likely are just either very <laughs> egotistical or you're not married. That's for dang sure. Because <laughs> I can't do anything when it comes to my marriage without my husband. Yeah. And so I, I'm specifically saying this because I want everyone to understand that I think everyone has a purpose in entrepreneurship. What does that mean? Doesn't mean that you are the visionary. Doesn't mean that you are the star. It yeah. means that you have a purpose that is connected to somebody else's purpose. It's why the kingdom is a kingdom of community yeah. and relationship. Amen. And that's ultimately what God would have us do is to raise your hand and say, here's where I'm really good and strong. And when all of us come together, I had this vision in connection to the rainbow the other day. Surprise, surprise. If, <laughs> if the rainbow was just red, it'd be an apple. Yeah. If it, the rainbow was just yellow, it would be the sun, right? Mm -hmm. But all together, there's this vast array of beauty that's connected because each color stands out uniquely. Yeah. And that's our role in the world is yeah. to stand together and say, hey, we're all going towards the pot of gold together, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I need you and you need me for mm -hmm. this unison to happen and for the outcome to be what it is that God would have it be. Amen. I think one of the hardest parts too, though, Tamara, on this note is that there's a lot of people that they feel bad or they feel selfish or they feel greedy or they feel wrong to raise their hand and say, here I am. Here's how I can serve. 
this is what I can do. And there's almost this false humility that causes, I, I see this all the time in entrepreneurs is that they're, they're so heart oriented and service oriented and giving, which is a beautiful, powerful thing, but there's still this thing as far as my, my perspective looking at it is that there's still this, this misalignment from who, who God has said that they are. And so there's this identity issue where they, they're so scared of arrogance and greed and the corruption, and everything. So they, they're like, well, I'm, I'm over. I, I, I maybe, and they never actually step out in boldness and say, no, I can do this. I don't know if I can help, but I'm here to try this. These are my gifts. These are my, these are the things that I, I want to be able to share with other people. And that's one thing I wish that more entrepreneurs would do, especially in, in their marketing and their sales and their content creation and everything they're doing is, is know that it is part of our responsibility to shine. Like that's the, the light has to shine from within us. And if your heart, right, if your heart is saying, no, here I am, send me, right. That's different. Me like, well, you could pick me sometime. Do you want to buy my <laughs> yeah, stuff? Maybe. Totally. Yeah. <laughs> right. <laughs> and I see it a lot. And so I, I love this conversation. This is Well, I think too, if, if we go again, I'm going to keep going back to our children. It sounds like I'm a really good parent. I have lots of flaws in my parenting, but as we're having this conversation, <laughs> I'm like, oh, I do that. That's really good. And because a lot of stuff that I've worked through in my adult life, and, and you're going to find this out as you read the book, has been through therapy, has been through personal development, but through the lens of God and understanding yeah. what is alignment, right? We use this word in conjunction with balance or in juxtaposition of balance, alignment mm -hmm. being vertical understanding of self, like interior versus horizontally serving or giving out to the world. I think if you're, if you're out of alignment and you're trying to give, 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 you will find depletion and you will find loss. But if we are vertically aligned through the love of the father and the identity that is him, yeah. We can raise our hand, but yeah. as children, we're told there's no I in team, mm. right? And if there's no I in team and there's no I in the kingdom, then we all have to mesh together and nobody can stand on the pulpit and nobody can say and raise their hand as I'm really good at this. In mm. fact, God would have us just like suppressed to the fact that he's the only one that's elevated. Mm. But we know that Jesus literally said that you will do far greater things than I have done. Yeah. And therefore we have to rise to the call to be able to say that, yes, there is this incredible thing inside of me. So what we've been doing as parents in order for our children to not have this same deficit as I had, as my husband has had, is we ask them all the time, like, what are you really good at? And yeah. we, we have them like, what are you most proud of in yourself? What is something that you think makes you beautiful? And it's, you should see the way that they clam up and they're seven and eight, well, almost seven, seven and eight. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking to myself, whoever told you anything, but these amazing mm -hmm. things, yeah. how has the world already gotten a hold of you so much that you don't have the confidence to speak up and say what you know, you're good at. They know they're good at it. And yet there's this component of, of blanketed suppression over the fact that they are good because humility and ego, they fight. The flesh fights with the, with the principalities of darkness. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's really important for us as leaders to not only example this, to drive our team to that state of elevation, to, to remind them that there might not be any I in team, but there is an I within every single one of us because the great I am exists yep. within you. Yeah. And so it takes all the eyes. I, mm -hmm. I am, I am. Take me, right? 
I love that because it's we talk about that being the most powerful phrase in the English language is I am. And it's fascinating that the English translation for what God decided to name himself when he's, you know, Moses is like, well, who, who do I say? Sammy? I am. Right. And I've been practicing something very similar with with my kids is uh, we talk about affirmations a lot. But I think a lot of times people misunderstand um, that. Those are real, real identity challenges where when you start speaking out I am statements that are in alignment with God's word and what he's spoken over you, a lot of times when you start doing that, you don't believe what you're speaking. You don't feel it. You you feel like a hypocrite. Like when I first started doing them a couple of years ago, I had someone challenge me like, you got to look yourself in the eyes, in the mirror and say these things. And I'm like, this is BS. Like, I don't believe any of this. This <laughs> yeah. is not like at all. And over time, I started to realize that this identity that what you're talking about, that kind of that suppression of letting that off and allowing the kingdom to flow in and through you, because if we're if we're made in his image, what is his core image? His core image is is a creator. So if we're not actively participating with the creation and going and creating and becoming and doing always becoming never stop becoming right, if we're not doing that. We're rejecting the very identity that he's placed on us. And we're actually doing ourselves and other people a grave disservice because we're not able to step into everything he created us for. And then we wonder why we're lacking fulfillment and there's no joy or we're not content or we're, we're slipping into anxiety or depression, these things. And it's very, very interesting that I am and, and the affirmations like you're talking about as well for your kids of self-affirming. It's not an arrogant thing. It's a confidence thing. It's a humility to say, I'm willing to acknowledge that my father in heaven has said these things about me and I'm going to take ownership of them so I can become everything that he's created me to be. Yeah. And, and that is the best thing. And I think a lot of times people feel like when they raise their hand to something that there's a perfectionism that has to come alongside that, right? Mm-hmm. That there's no way if I raise my hand and say, I'm really good at this. And then I don't live up to those expectations. What then? But Mm -hmm. it's the knowing that that's exactly why we are called is because we have to utilize by faith his ability to meet us in those um, steps of obedience. Because I might be really great at something, but the only full greatness comes when I partner with him. And that it's that co-creation, not the egotistical way of I've got this because I lived a life like that for quite a few (laughs) years and it did not turn out so well because I didn't have anything. And so I would love you. You mentioned earlier about some of the hardships that you walked through, even as having access to the personal development space so early. I'm curious what those might look might have looked like and how um, you then access those affirmations again. Yeah. So um, probably very similar to you, Tamara. I've been through a lot of stuff and therapy was very useful to help extract some of that and to recognize things that I had suppressed. But I think um, you know, I would say coming, coming out of high school, I had a full ride scholarship, academic scholarship that I turned down. I, I did not want to pursue it because I did not feel it was in alignment, right. For, for what I had. And I realized now on the, the post end, it was kind of a, a shove it to my parents who are very highly educated because I, I and I went into a two year internship program that was focused all on ministry development, leadership development, interpersonal communication, strengths development, all those types of things. And through that process is where I really fell in love with the empathy side of who I am. And then the personal growth uh, through that process was always oriented around um, 
was around business, was about around leadership, was around sales and marketing. And so I ended up working my way up in uh, in a sales position, becoming a top 1% sales producer, a $400 million a year company, uh, mid 20s, making the American dream. Glass corner office, company car, company card, six figure salary. Like I made it and I was I was suicidal. I was absolutely to the end. And I've got pictures that I took of myself, like in the mirror, just um, about 30 to 40 pounds heavier than I am today, just working 60, 70, 80 hours a week. Uh, like, what am I missing? Why, why, what is going on? And I had a, I had a mentor of mine. We sat down at a little Mediterranean restaurant. I, I can t- here in Columbia, South Carolina, we were sitting there and she, uh, she said, David, I don't know if anybody's ever asked you this question, but who do you want to become? And in that moment, Tamara, I, something inside of me shifted because I had never been asked that question before. I, we've all been asked to go like, well, what do you want to do? Like, what do you want to do when you grow up? You know, what do you want to do? Right. And I started sitting, I was like, well, I guess probably Jesus. And she's like, you can't, that's not, you can't prove that <laughs> That's not an option. Try <laughs> that's again. Not an option. option is not on the table. And I said, <laughs> I said, well, honestly, I mean, if I, she's like, is there anyone that is on the planet today or even in, in the past that you would say you want to you know, do what they do or become similar to them in any way, shape or form? And I said, so, well, honestly, um, with, a lot less F words and not the travel schedule, probably Tony Robbins. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> right. And she was like, really? Okay. That's interesting. And then she led me down a process of asking me why, you know, and, and just discovering these things. And what I hadn't realized was that my success in sales and marketing had nothing to do with me being, um, you know, a, a hard closer or trying to, you know, really good at all the closing strategies. It was actually empathy. And everything that I was going into and every sales interaction and every part of uh, marketing material the company would put out, that it was all oriented around seeing, hearing, and understanding people at the deepest level and making sure that I was in a position to actually help them solve the problem they wanted to have solved. And I didn't realize that until that meeting. She was like, you have such a gift here that especially in the entrepreneur in the business space of helping other people learn how to sell with empathy, how to market with empathy in a way that's not slimy, that's not salesy, that's not manipulative, that feels aligned, that feels really good. So both of you have this mutually beneficial relationship where energetically they're happy to give you money in exchange for what you provide. I was like, well, that's been my whole existence, but do you think other people would want it? She was like, of course other people would want that. That's not taught in any of the sales books. And so that led me into this path of trying to figure out, okay, do I really want to become an entrepreneur? And I was terrified, Tamara. I was terrified of becoming an entrepreneur because um, I had convinced myself of a story that it had destroyed my family. My dad was an entrepreneur. He owned his own veterinary practice. Um, and my parents ended up getting divorced. We moved a thousand miles across the country. Um, a lot of hard, hard, challenging things as a kid. And so I was terrified. And in the process of a year, we had sold our home and bought a new home. I was handed papers for a $40,000 pay cut. I was lied, betrayed, lied about, betrayed, and slandered in the business because I came forward about some uh, let's just say less than savory things I saw going on. Um, 
my wife and I went through a miscarriage. And to top it all off, I ended up, if you can imagine the Hollywood movie, the conference table with the big dogs on one side and the kind of the employee on the other side, I ended up in a conference room with that exact situation with someone standing over me, cursing at me, pointing their finger at me, screaming at me, telling me that the only reason that I was still there was because I was a financial asset and they could not afford to lose me because of how much revenue I was generating for the company. And that my entire team was going to be let go if they wanted to. And they had X millions of dollars in assets. And so for me, that was, that was it. I, I got to a point, I came home and I said, babe, I don't know what I've got to do, but I've got to figure this out. I need out of this situation and I've got to step into this. And what's really fascinating is it fast forward about eight, nine months. I walk in and I turn in my two week notice. I started building things online, trying to learn how to do this whole thing. And 4.57 PM, Tamara, I'm walking out of where I just turn in my notice. I'm like, I'm done. I'm out. And this was terrifying too, because we're single income family. Go from six figures to zero. <laughs> this is like kind of a big decision. Yeah. yeah. Right? Ooh, um, this is a real leap of faith here. <laughs> and in at 4.57, I'm getting into my truck and I get a ding. And yes, I snuck out three minutes early. Don't judge me. I do not work <laughs> not early. Not judging at all. Not judging at all. That's and why I'm an entrepreneur. Like, oh, you left, you left work <laughs> early that day, huh, David? Um, I would never have guessed. I would have never thought that because <laughs> I'm like, peace. It's two o'clock on a Friday. I'm out. The boat's calling my name. <laughs> I get an email and it's from Tony Robbins and Dean Graziosi's team uh, inviting me to join one of their speaking teams for a company that they were running. And they said, congratulations. Um, and during that process, I had been applying and interviewing and trying because I wanted to be able to have that as an, I was like, all right, this whole thing about visualization, manifestation, let's give it a whirl. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And, um, and it happened. And a few months later, I was uh, flown out to do speaker training with them. And, and um, that led to meeting business partners, creating a new company and, and me doing the things that I've been doing. And uh, it it taught me a lot through a really incredible season. But the challenge I think was Tamara is that through all of that, there were just days where I would, I would sit with my wife and I would just cry on the couch and I'm feeling like not the husband that I want to be, not the father that I want to be, not the leader that I want to be, but not understanding what in the world am I supposed to do? I was always so upset at everyone else. Like, well, this is my calling. Jesus told me I'm supposed to go be a missionary. And I'm like, that's great. He hasn't told me what I'm supposed to do. He's silent over here. Is my phone working? And everyone seemed to have it mapped out. But it was through this process of surrender and trust that I was able to, uh, to lean into what God was preparing for me. In the midst of one of the most painful and challenging seasons, he was opening these doors. He was closing doors and opening doors. And there was just those nights I would sit with my wife and I, I finally ended up going through this process of trying to understand why, like, why was I doing what I was doing? Why was I committed to it? Why did, like, what did I want to do and who did I want to become? And that who did I want to become kept coming up over and over and over again. And I had finally came to the place where I was able to give myself permission to define that without feeling like, I've got to wait for God to tell me exactly what it is. And I trusted that those desires inside of my heart, I said, Jesus, I'm going to keep my eyes fixed on you, but I'm just going to run. 
I'm going to run and I'm going to trust that you'll slap me upside the head sometimes if I need to. <laughs> and, <laughs> but I'm going to stay plugged into community. I'm going to stay plugged into my church body. I'm going to stay accountable. I'm going to have people that will I will allow to pour into my life. And I'm just going to go. I'm just going to go. And since then, my my whole life has changed, Tamara. Like everything has changed. And I now have the opportunity to work with an incredible team, my business partners doing coaching, consulting, speaking. Also, it's just, it's bonkers. <laughs> what is so cool about this specific conversation is I feel like it's one that's not often had. You know, mm. you hear people, specifically people who are in the church body, always talking about purpose and passion and calling and, and everyone's waiting. Everyone's yeah. waiting. They're all like, when is my call from heaven going to happen so that I can feel like this is exactly the path that I'm supposed to take. This is exactly the time I'm supposed to get out of the boat. My fruit and prosperity and abundance and all of that is right around the corner from his calling. Yeah. And I've experienced firsthand as well that it's less about the knowing and more about the faith. Yeah. Right. And it literally says scripturally, like it's what is unseen. And yet we still pursue yeah. that shows our obedience. It shows our faith. It shows our commitment. And so a lot of times I feel like I'm running to nowhere. <laughs> like, where are you going? I don't know. I just know I got to wake up. I just know I got to go. <laughs> and they're like, well, what's the goal? Right. Yeah. A lot of people mm -hmm. ask that. Yeah. What's the goals? Have you set your goal? And even as you ask, like, what defines success? Success is, is the play, the peace and the passion. Mm -hmm. How it manifests, that's up to my going. Yeah. And him showing in the process. Yeah. And so purpose is not a place. It's a becoming experience. Amen. No one knows their purpose until they're on the right hand of the father in heaven being like, oh, I was supposed to do that. Yeah. Oh, I fulfilled that. Right. Yeah. You you cannot possibly comprehend the way that he comprehends. It's yeah. it's being in the middle of your book and you're waiting for the final chapter. I got no idea. So most days I feel a little nutty. Most days I feel a little crazy, but at the exact same time, I'm having so much fun. Yeah. And the way that I know that I'm in purpose, and I'd be curious if you feel the same, and it sounds like you do, but for clarity, is that I don't run out of energy. I'm not running out of gas or fuel. This has been me for five years. And it was all since literally having that surrender moment. Mm -hmm. And starting to unpack my true identity and truly understanding what alignment meant, not just in my call, but in my call to be whole, which is the mind, body, soul, which is where fit, you know, fit and faith comes from. It's, it's not just fitness. It's yeah. being, it's the being of the whole human. Yeah. I 100% I agree because I think even on the alignment conversation, you can't be aligned with something unless you've defined what you're aligning with in the first place. And a lot of times I think, especially as um, people of faith, we're like, well, I just want to be aligned with God. I'm like, okay, <laughs> let's talk about that. Then, right. right. Um, because it's, you know, that word is a lamp under my feet. I heard this one time before. It's, it's not a spotlight. There's a reason that it's a lamp. That means you can literally only see one or two steps in front of you. It's so a lamp, good. right? So good. You cannot yeah. see it. And everyone's waiting for those answers. And what I've realized is I had a mentor of mine tell me this one time, and it was a great question. Uh, he said, he said, David, what if the calling of God is not an expectation to live up to or something to fail? But what if it's a promise to live out of 
And I, that when he told me that, it, it set again something off inside of me is like, what if it is just a promise to live out of and I'm free to define whatever this is and however I want to go after it, trusting that as as I go, I'm going to preach saying the kingdom has come upon you. I'm going to heal the sick. I'm going to raise the dead. I'm going to cleanse lepers. I'm going to cast out demons. I'm going to go forward with the mandate of the gospel carrying the kingdom. And I'm going to do it through the lens of business. And I'm going to do it aligned because I know that this is the man that I want to become as a husband, as a father, as a leader, as a speaker, as a coach, all these things. And I think that a lot of times we've, we're scared to, to, to define that. Cause like, well, but that's not what, like, what does God want me to be? I'm like, what if God put those desires inside of your heart? Is that like too, too hard to believe? And I realized, yes, it is hard to believe for some people. It can be very, very, very challenging to believe that those desires inside of your heart aren't necessarily intrinsically selfish or greedy or wrong. What if God is the one that put those inside of your heart and all he's asking you to do is step out in faith. And in that process, you stay surrendered every single day saying, God, I'm asking for your wisdom, for your vision, for your clarity, but I'm going to go. I'm going to walk by faith, not by sight. And I'm going to lean in and become, because I don't know what that means, but I'm just going to keep becoming. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so much grace is what that means. That's like the my most favorite thing about it is that there isn't a definition to it. Yeah. And I love, I love that, that understanding that it's actually out of the calling that we live rather than in pursuit of the calling and you're going to get it wrong. Right. I think that's where the overflow, like the wellspring of life lives within us. Mm -hmm. But if we're actually searching to fill our cup, it's always going to have a component of emptiness. Yeah. But if it's coming from the inside out, it doesn't deplete. Mm-hmm. And so there's so much power to that. And I think one one of the reasons I'm specifically drawn towards how you show up in the world, because I see this component of mirror example, is in the marketplace, is in the realm of business. And there are so many people from a religious, quote unquote, experience that have been suppressed in that identity, that yeah. they they have to either be Poor and, and working really, really hard as a volunteer or in the ministry of church, whatever that is to them, versus operating out of the fact that as a as a business owner, it is my ministry. Yeah. As as an entrepreneur, this is my ministry. As a mom, as a wife, as all of these things, I operate in business every single day. And therefore, I am doing the Lord's work from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. And it looks different for everybody else. Quick commercial break. I know I hate these things too, but it's so critical that you grow your business for God's sake. And I mean that, pun intended, with all the love in my heart to get you from a place of ideation to activation. Stop dreaming, start doing, stand up, start saying yes to the call that God has on your life. We are going to be joining in Lexington, Kentucky with none other than the beautiful Rise and Grind community with Glenn Lundy, who will be co-hosting this incredible conference. This is the second annual, and he has taken me under his wing to be able to share this stage, to motivate and inspire and I cannot wait to see you there November 5th through the 7th if you want to come in for the VIP experience which who doesn't want to come along for VIP that's all access passes to the speakers and the artists and you'll be able to dine with us in the private rooms with your own special bathrooms so of course come one day two day three day passes available as well and we cannot wait as Glenn and I say to hug your neck see you there 
So talk us through, like, did you ever feel like you were not called into the secular, like business realm of things? And are they <laughs> separate? Is it secular versus church? Is it church? Oh, for, you know, th this would be a whole nother podcast. Amber, but yeah, we'll <laughs> No, I'll keep it short. But I think that, you know, to your point, there's a whole lot of people that are, there's two parts to this. One, especially Christians and faith oriented people in general is that we're waiting on God, waiting on God, waiting on God. And I believe in the principle of waiting on God, but I also believe there's a whole lot of apathetic, lazy, somewhat entitled human beings, brothers and sisters, I love you and Jesus <laughs> that are waiting on God when he's just like, what, what are you, what are you, what, what are you waiting for? Like, go, yeah. go. Yeah. Um, but the question is a great question because it is one of the most challenging things, Tamara, that I have had to navigate because part of my orientation early on was to go into full-time ministry. I felt like I had like this pastoral heart, but I very, very, very clearly, there's been very few times that I feel like I've heard, you know, as close to the audible voice of God as possible is, was that my ministry was supposed to be a ministry outside of the church walls and that it was going to be in the places where people weren't expecting ministry to be happening and that the kingdom, the spirit of God would flow in and through me and it would come through language that resonated and people understood, but they would have no choice because of the power of the Holy Spirit, but to encounter the living God because of the life that I was living. And so when I saw Tony Robbins, I saw David Waldy and I saw that type of event again with a few less F words. Um, <laughs> Holy Spirit, no but, Right, exactly. And, but it wasn't like Christianese. It was yeah. Wasn't through this lens of just like Bible talk, Bible. Mm -hmm. It was very much like, how can I orient these things through the lens of business and sales and marketing and bring the principles of scripture and the principles of the kingdom into the secular marketplace? But I got really hung up on this, Tamara. I got really hung up on this because I wanted it to be a ministry, but I also was like, but I want this to be a business. I, and I need this to be a business. Otherwise, I'm creating a nonprofit. Right. There's nothing wrong with nonprofits, right? right? But I need this to be a business. I have to make business decisions. I have to be a good steward with the money. And I had somebody confront me, like straight up, in love, brother of mine. He said, David, you know what's really interesting? I said, what? So, you know, you talk about like the ascetic lifestyle and you give everything away and you go, you know, you've been on missions trips. You know, I've been to Haiti. I've been to the Dominican Republic, been to Nicaragua, done a lot of missions trips. And he said, the problem is, David, is that and, he, and he, he said, hear my heart. That's not hard for you. It's not hard for you to give up everything. It would not be hard for you to sell it all and walk away and go to, if you felt God calling you and pulling you to go live in, in a third world country and to give your life away. That's not hard for you, is it? I was like, no, I would do it in, in a heartbeat. He said, you know what is hard for you? I was like, what? He's like, what's hard for you is what if God is calling you to build a multi-million dollar business that affects and impacts lives all over the world. And you are incredibly exorbitantly wealthy. And the only reason that you're going to be entrusted with that is because you have the heart that says, I don't really want that. And it's hard for you because you have this perspective over here. What if the reason there's so much discomfort here is because that's what God is pushing you into because he trusts you with that. And you're a type of person, because that's how I see you, Tamara, is that he trusts the heart of the people that say, I'm not just in this to make a freaking buck. 
Like that's like not it. I'm not here to help people just make money because they think money's going to, I'm here to help people make money by living aligned with their passion so they can give more, they can live more, they can serve more, they can be more. And it's simply a resource that's going to flow in and through me. And I'm going to trust what God and I, I broke when he said that. I was like, yeah, that's probably the hardest thing I would ever have to do is going into that. He's like, that's why you know you're on the right path. And I was like, thanks. That's great. <laughs> that's Doesn't make it any easier. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You're like, cool, buddy. Appreciate mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Oh, that's so good. It I feel like this is a conversation that more people need to have. There needs to be more of the like the poking and the prodding around mm-hmm. the desires of our heart. Yeah. And it, it stems from the fact that they don't have to be out of greed. In fact, they're likely not because the dreams that are in my heart are not the same dreams that are in your heart or so many people that I meet. And mm-hmm. I didn't just sit around one day and be like, I'm going to dream today. I, mm-hmm. Nope, nope. <laughs> I'm out and I'm going right, especially yeah. in motherhood and parenthood and entrepreneurship like there. I don't take that space and I should probably do it more often. And I'm in the middle of a really cool challenge I'll tell you about later. But it's this knowing that if we actually sat within those desires and trusted them in the sense of trusting God who put them there Mm -hmm. and knowing that intuition and gut feeling and coincidence, like they're all God. And so I think if we could understand that the resource piece looks different for everyone, whether it's the finances, whether it's a bushel of babies, what, I mean, it's, there's so many different resources that can be had. And I think the financial realm is one of the biggest breakthroughs that need to happen within the church specifically for us Mm -hmm. to step into our calling for the kingdom to actually have the authority in the secular realm of business that it actually earns, deserves, and has the priority within God's eyes to, to have and seek. And my pastor told me the it was the final meet, meeting after my ordination and minister's licensing. And I knew and I've known my whole life, like you said, you did all those tests and all the same came back. I did that my freshman year of college and every single thing said you were going to do business management. I didn't know what that meant. Right. Like, I, <laughs> OK, I knew I wanted to be my own CEO. Like, that's what I always told myself. I was like the mm-hmm. president of all the student governments growing up. And I just <laughs> knew I didn't want to work for someone was ultimately what it was. And it's not because I didn't I couldn't follow rules, but I just didn't want to. I knew I could make the rules and do them better. <laughs> and so <laughs> I, uh, I got business management across all these counseling things. And I was like, oh, yeah, I'll go to business school and ended up, you know, starting my own companies right out of the school. And so when I had that rug moment where it was just ripped out from under me and I was in that state of suicidal ideation and depression and anxiety and fast forward three years later and I'm sitting in my pastor's office, entrepreneurship literally like is in my veins. Like when I think about building a business, I get so excited. I want to know what's the outcome and how is it going to serve on a granular level for somebody? What is it doing? How is it like, what's the heartbeat behind it? And I was so scared. I felt insignificant enough to say, here I am being called into doing something for the kingdom. And yet my heart, my thought pattern, my flesh is pulling me back into the entrepreneurial realm. And he just simply didn't say much other than one sentence that has stuck with me ever since. And he said, God will give you grace for your space. Hmm. And everyone's space looks different. 
I am not saying that you shouldn't be called to start a church or you shouldn't be started a nonprofit and go to other countries and sell it all. That's not what David and I are saying. We're saying instead that where God will make you is exactly where he's probably made you before and likely a place that you've experienced pain too. Yeah. No different than you in the boardroom in that experience and being like, this was terrible. I never want somebody to feel this way. Yeah. utilizing their gifts and talents, which you've now been able to flip on a script and allow so many people to stand in that space. And it's, it's really beautiful. Thank you. And I, I agree is that there's a, an incredible book by Og Mandino. It's called The Greatest Salesman in the World. I recommend it to anyone. Have you read it, Tamara? I have it. I have it. Okay. You got to get this. Book. Okay. I, I, will. I, have, I have every one of my clients read it and they have to read it every single day, three times a day once they've gone through. It's not the whole book. There's like they read chapters. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chapters. Okay. But there's a there's a chapter in there that talks about um, <clears throat> that if you ask 10,000 men to define success, every one of them will define success differently. But every one of us define failure the same. And failure is our inability to reach our goals. And so when we go back to kind of your initial premise of the, the goal setting and defining these things, I think when we are, when we have these desires, the, the best litmus test is the first part of that verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own, own understanding yeah. and all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. It's like trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Yeah. Those things are if, if someone is asking, well, is this desire that I have, is it the flesh or is it Jesus? Is it something in between? Is it the enemy just like trying to pull me off track? It's like, do you trust in the Lord with all your heart? Well, yeah, of course I do. Then go. <laughs> right. And they're like, is that easy? I was like, well, I mean, if you will leave the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> then yes, yes. It's so true, though. And that's the hesitancy that I think is holding literally so much of the church, quote unquote, back is just they feel like, is it the right time? They start asking all these questions and they we were talking about this earlier is is the fact that we actually give Satan more authority just by speaking over the fact that he's inhibiting us from doing something when it has nothing to do with him. It's ourselves. It's it's our own flesh and our own mind because there isn't that trusting factor. Like we're not willing to surrender it all because what if, what if, what if what? What if you lose something that you've been able to create and cultivate on your own to gain something that's better? But there's that in-between season. And I I see clients experience this a lot. They're like, I know that this is my calling. I -hmm. am confident. And when I get to pour out and I see the outcome, it's exactly what God would have me do. I feel completely filled to the brim, but my bank account isn't showing me so. What Mm -hmm. do you, how do you help people in that situation? So in that situation, I, I remind everyone and myself included, that the vast majority of our life is made up of stories in our head is that the stories in our head have a propensity to be extremely negative oriented. The stories we make up about other people, the stories we make up when we're sitting in line at the drive through the stories we make up in our head about why our food hasn't come out yet. And, you know, we're sitting <laughs> in the so restaurant, right. They're all stories. They're all made up. But for some reason, if we think about it, right. The assumptions and judgments and conclusions and bias and prejudices and all these things, they're not actually founded on anything rational. They're just a made up story, right? And so I started asking the question, why is it that we default to that instead of to abundance, instead of to breakthrough, instead of to potential, instead of to limitless, like, and, and I was realizing it's because that's, that's sin. 
Like that is our sin carnal nature that is, is leading us through that because it's incredibly hard to walk in the spirit and recognize that we have a God with an unlimited bank account that can do anything and everything at a moment's notice. Um, miracles, crazy things happening, right? Stuff like, and why is it that it's so hard for us to believe this? And it's because a lot of times we're not walking in the spirit. We're not fully submitted to, to God. So when you have these people that are like, I see it. I see the vision like I want it, but the bank account, right? The bank account is a big one. People are like, but the bank account is not showing it. I believe, Tamara, that a lot of times in that moment, there is, it's it's God giving us an opportunity to say, are you going to lean into the abundance of my spirit? Or are you going to lean into the scarcity of the flesh? And are you going to lean into the abundance of my kingdom, a kingdom without limits, without end, infinitely more than you could ever ask for or imagine? Or are you going to lean into the lack and the problems and the issues? And the thing? And that's one of the things that I think we forget is that alignment, especially when you know what you want, does not mean a removal of problems or challenges. Yeah, no. Ever. <laughs> no. If I'm aligned, why am I having all these problems? <laughs> it's so true. So true. It's the worst. It's it's so it's it's really hard, but that's the process of becoming is that I right. believe that that in the same way that Abraham was tested in the same, yeah. there's so many stories of, of yeah. the testing is because we serve a loving and good father. And I believe as stewards, like for, for the word, I know a lot of times it's an old word, a steward of someone placing responsibility, carrying that responsibility, stewarding over is that a lot of times I wonder if, if it's not a pass fail from God, he's not like trying to judge us. He's like, are you, are you really committed to this? Do you really want this? Because if so, there's a price to be paid. And part of that price is you letting go of everything that you thought was okay. And that former identity and all of that, that's, I think that's the process of sanctification is stepping into that, not only in our faith, but in our lives. And then when you can look at that end goal and say, I see it, it's almost there. It's stepping in and saying, okay, God, I trust you, but I'm not going to sit around and wait. I'm going to be as resourceful as I possibly can with this head, this heart, and these two hands, the community, the people that I've surrounded by, and I'm going to go. And I'm going to trust that in that process, you're going to close the right doors. You're going to protect me. You're going to shield me. You're going to guide me because I will stay submitted. And I know that I know that I know that I believe this is possible. And I, I find Tamara somewhere in between here and there. It shifts from belief to convinced. You believe it's possible, but then everybody's like, but is it possible for me? Right. You know, you get that all the time. And in in the step-by-step process, there comes a point where you're like, wait, my business has gone from a hundred thousand to 200,000. It's gone from 200,000 to 500 or or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. Like my family, my, Mm -hmm. my kids, you're like, wait, now it's jumping from here to here is no longer this. Well, I believe it's possible. It's like, no, I can see it. I'm convinced that this is actually possible, but the only way that happens is you just can't stop moving forward. Yeah. I have a really like simple example parallel to parenthood because I think when we're talking about money, whether you're on whatever echelon of, of bracket, right? Um, sometimes there can be a sense of shame just towards that, right? They're like 200,000. They're like, that would, that would change my world if I made that much money. And I'm thinking of my audience and some of my dear friends and I'm thinking specifically of this example, which is so sweet. And it's my son who in kindergarten was called about three weeks after he started school and 
he they, the teacher told me that, you know, I'm, I've just noticed something. It's Friday and all week he's been in charge of the calendar and he has to get up at the beginning of the week and he has to say the name of the month and the name of the week. And then he has to spell every letter and he's looking at the letters. And of course, he knows his alphabet at this point, but he couldn't recognize by Friday the letters. He couldn't say them out. He knew it was October, but he was like joking and making everybody laugh because he's the life of the party. And he was deflecting an area uh, of struggle in humor. And and all of us can probably think of a way that we deflect things, whether it's through humor or anger or whatever it is, silence, um, empathy being you know, that empath goes into the hole. Like, I'm oh, not me. <laughs> And so they were encouraging him to get tested for whatever it could be. And he ended up finding out that he had dyslexia. And so we got him enrolled in with a program who every week she would teach him and, and just show him some extra tools that weren't being taught in school. And this was three years ago. And two years ago, he comes home from the same tutor who he had tutored out of, right? Like she was like, well, like he's doing fine. He could be great. And we're like, nope, we're going to stick with the program. Like this is working. It's good to go. He, for two years, I'm telling you, David, he hated going. He hated, he would cry. (laughs) It stressed me out. I'm like, do I have to go? I don't want to go. But we, we persistently went, we consistently went. And two years ago, and even just in this time frame, because he's still going, um, he's now reading three grade levels above where he was before. Yes. And they said it was impossible. Mm-hmm. And they said he'll never get to that place. And they said that this is just the way that his brain works. And so he'll stay in this struggle his whole life. And mm-hmm. I was against what they said in the natural, because I knew that he had the ability to do more. Yeah. He has now gone from believing that it's possible to he's 100% convinced that yeah. I can read any book, that mm-hmm. I can read out loud, that I can not mix up the letters, that I can get the 10 out of 10 on the spelling test. Mm-hmm. And that difference in belief that it's possible to convincing literally changes the, the trajectory of his life. Yeah. And so it's the taste of the dollar. It's the taste of the word. It's the taste of the book, right? It's the taste of the thing that you think is impossible that God is going to bountifully provide Mm -hmm. in your consistence, in your persistence, even kicking and screaming. At some point, there's a sense of surrender that you realize all my prayers are being answered. Yeah. And that's from a mama's heart. And also from his, because now he doesn't have to sit in shame when he's in the classroom and he can't read out loud and he doesn't have to deflect it in humor. He gets to stand up confidently and boldly to now bear witness to the kids who are having the hard time. And that's exactly what you and I have done. Yeah. And I think it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful example, not only for it being your child, but I think for going back to kind of our theme here of, of around defining success and knowing that you don't have, it doesn't have to be what everyone else's is. It can be yours, uniquely yours, because those are your dreams. Those are your desires. Those are the things. And, you know, I, there's a lot of times where people have this misconception because they pull from, especially on social media, you see someone that has something or is, is living a certain life. So I'm like, Oh, I, I want that. And my, my encouragement always is ask yourself why, like ask yourself why first. And most often you'll find it's, well, I feel like they have intimacy in their relationship, or I feel like they've got a great, you know, 
relationship with their kid or they they don't have to worry about money or they have the ability to go to their beach house in Fiji. Right? <laughs> or, uh, you're right? invited. You can come. <laughs> I'll be there. I'll be there. Um, but I think that a lot of times we've never actually sat down and thought about what those things are for us and why we want those things. And it's not just the material. It's thinking about what we want in our relationship with our spouse or with our kids, with our, our, our family members, with our neighbors and with our teams. And when we can take the time to define those things and we put in the, the key that I loved what you mentioned, Tamara, is that you went kicking and screaming, right? Is totally. That I think even though we can, there's, there's this, there's two things that go on. You surrender and you bust your butt. You have to surrender and you have to work hard. And that's where sometimes there's some overlap. Like, I'm just striving and trying. Well, I feel like there's a difference, you know? And so finding your way, it's not just a clear cut. It's, it's all right. Trusting in the word, uh, trusting in the word, trusting in God and having people like you, like if you're anyone listening to this, having Tamara in your corner, she's going to help lovingly slap you upside the head when (laughs) and remind you you of the dreams and visions (laughs) that are that are inside of your heart but don't expect that it's just going to be well i'm going to surrender and god's going to magically make it all happen that is not how it works we are co-laborers like you mentioned earlier we are co-workers with god and partnering with him and so we have to put in the work and sometimes yes it feels like kicking and screaming Yeah, it does. It really does. And I could think of so many, I mean, our conversation could continue forever. We're already like way over what we usually do, but I love talking to you. And I know we have more pieces to the conversation because I'm, I'm curious about your health journey in that regard as well, because it's not fun. I don't like get super excited to go tie up my tennis shoes in the wee hours of the morning and sweat. Like doesn't sound fun to me, but the reward is so great. And so people from the exterior, no different than my marriage, you guys have the perfect relationship. I'm like, go read my book and you'll find out the other details. Okay. (laughs) It's the, it's the hardships. It's the effort. It's the kicking, the screaming that get you to the outcome that you really truly want. And God is with you in that moment, just as much as he is when you're rewarded and excited and you're bearing the fruit that you've been waiting for. And to know too, in that season, there will be more seasons. I was just at lunch with friends the other day and I was thinking about the fast forward experience where I'm listening to them pour out in, in hardship, right? They're in a season that's just like really hard and tears. And I thought back three years before that, where that was me on the other end. And now I get to be there in joy and prayer and being that strength for them. And so it's the same thing. We all go through that, but it's the knowing that the trust without seeing the faith without seeing, but the faith without works is dead. (laughs) So come on, let's work out. Let's do the thing, all of it. And, and I'm excited. I'm excited when people can understand that. And then we can like link up. I've been having these visions about like the red Rover, red Rover, but our chains don't break. And like, we're linked and I'm like, let's go. Cause (laughs) I'm not willing to let anything break this down. Because this is what the kingdom is all about. And I truly believe that there is a revival happening, not just in mission-driven leaders, but mission-driven leaders in the marketplace specifically. Um, So I'm ready to take back what was ours in the garden. And there was gold in the garden. There's gold in the kingdom. And so Mm -hmm. let's, let's, 
Let's blanket the world. Amen. I mean, Jesus came and he took back the keys, right? And then yeah. he, uh, I don't know, I feel like he handed them off to us. Maybe. Yeah, yeah. He, sure yeah. Did. he sure did. He <laughs> sure did. David, this has been amazing. I want people to be able to connect with you in all of the ways. I know that you have so many programs and opportunities for people to come alongside and partner with you in their growth. Um, and so let's hear about those before we close this out. Yeah. So the biggest thing that I would say, guys, you absolutely have to do this. The first thing you do is you go buy Tamara's brand new book. Okay. So go do that first. <laughs> go to Amazon right now. But love yes, I, I love connecting on social media at David Waldy anywhere. Just at David Waldy. It's like Waldo spelled with a Y. Love it. <laughs> so, easy, um, easy. <laughs> but I love creating conversations. Feel free to direct message me and we'll connect. And um, or just if you find my content useful, that's the that's the goal is I want everything I do to be useful, serve other people and um, so Tamara, thank you. I'm honored. Yeah. I've been, this has been a blast. Thank it you. It really has been. Me. Thank you so much. And I'm excited. I know we'll have to get the families together at some point. So yes. tell your wifey hello and thank you for the time shared today. It was really special. Thanks, Tamara. Appreciate you. Hey y'all, it's me again. I hope in today's episode, you sense and ignite to an ember within you. Something mentally, physically, emotionally, or spiritually moving that creates and sustains a fire within your journey. Before you go, let's solidify the flame. I'd love for you to take a step right now in declaring your takeaway. By snapping a pic of the episode you tuned into, share your sparked moment and tag me at fitandfaith underscore podcast or me personally at tamara.andress on Insta. I hope that I can keep you accountable and also share you with the greater community of the Fit and Faith podcast listeners. We're totally in this together. Community over competition is the motto, right? I'd also be incredibly grateful if you took an extra second to leave a review on iTunes or your podcast listening app. I'd love to feature your thought in the next episode and give you and your passion project a big shout out. You know I'm a writer, so I love words and I can't wait to read what you have to say. I'm ready to fuel the flame with you together. And until next time, blessings over your joy, health, wealth, and wholeness. Tune in next time. Often we believe our questions mean we don't have faith, but I believe Jesus loves our questions. Our questions are windows into heaven. I'm Caden Fabrizio, and on the Questions with Caden podcast, we ask and answer one question per episode as relevantly and biblically as possible. Questions about fear, anxiety, depression, addiction, and so much more. Don't worry, your questions, they're not gonna scare Jesus. So ask away. Listen and subscribe now at lifeaudio.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.